Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Hemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome to GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kent. With me today is Mike Montgomery, and here's a bit about Mike. He offers small business benefits. He saves entrepreneurs and small businesses 30% on health insurance while creating tax deductions. Who doesn't like tax deductions, right? Open enrollment ends January 15th this year. So make sure you have the necessary coverage for you and your loved ones. And with that being said, Mike and I today are going to talk about private health insurance. Why is it important? How he could help you tap into that and why, you know, you could take the tax deductions that you're saving and diversify it and put that money elsewhere so you could build that generational wealth for you and your family. And without further ado, I want to welcome Mike Montgomery to GEMS Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. Happy to see you. I love the, the office background there. I feel so professional right now. Uh, excuse mine, we're having a baby, so things are a bit hectic, but I'm thankful for being here. But I'm Health Unicorn Mike. That's what everybody calls me. I'm a nationally licensed, award-winning health insurance broker. As you mentioned, I, I do offer affordable health coverage that creates tax deductions for small businesses. Uh, I've actually been in the industry for nine years. I was a financial advisor before that. I'm licensed in 33 different states. And um, I have access to 95% of the plans available. So look forward to the conversation. That is amazing. And Mike, how did they dub you Health Unicorn Mike? Uh, My wife, actually. My wife has their own marketing agency. And um, where what's interesting, I had a client, I was telling her all the things that I can do with insurance. She was like, wow, if you can do that, you're a unicorn, right? And I was like, oh, maybe I am a unicorn. And then my, my daughter loves unicorns. So I put a little unicorn on my head. And my wife, who's got the branding eye, said, oh, that's a thing. And it became Health Unicorn Mike. But the reason I'm a unicorn is because uh, a couple of things. I'm Black, Jewish, and from Alaska, right? And then probably another way I'm a unicorn is that there's only 4,000 people in the entire country that have access to what I have access to. Of those 4,000, I was number 18 in the country last week. So yeah, I'm a unicorn. Wow. Incredible. And then based on you being number 18 in the country, how did you acquire that metric and get up to being ranked number 18 and being one of the four people that offers what you do? One of the 4,000. Oh, one of the 4,000. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, I went to college, you know, I went to undergrad, Norfolk State University, uh, behold, right? And then I went to Auburn for my double master's. I got a full ride, you know, kind of went around that path. And I realized really quickly that I was in school for the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, I was almost done. I was about six classes from finishing and I guess got burnt out. I was like, oh my goodness, I can't do it for a second longer. And I decided to go get a job. And I was like, let me go get experience in my field, you know, so I can know what I'm doing. And come to find out the experience I got made me hate the field completely. So now I've dismissed the degree and I got into sales, got recruited to be a financial advisor. And then I realized that I didn't like the life conversation. I like the health conversation. And that was all she wrote. I've been health insurance ever since. And I'm very passionate about it. And I'm, I really love it. Now let's really unpack health insurance because I actually just did an IG live today with someone who is now an anti-financial advisor because he said... <laughs> A lot of the financial advisors that he knows are not debt-free. They sell a bunch of stuff. They don't have different um, avenues of, you know, just being able to just walk away if they wanted to because they're so busy trying to sell, sell, sell. 
so they could reap that commission and bonus. So we talked about passive income. And now I'm kind of hearing something similar with you. You didn't really like the financial advisor side of things. You like the health side of things, which is so important, especially depending on where you live in the world. Healthcare insurance by yourself is very expensive. And that's why some people are afraid to leave their nine to five jobs because they know, okay, if I leave this job, like, you know, benefits by myself is really pricey, but that's where you come in because you're like, Hey, I help small business owners get affordable private health insurance, which is the same amount of health insurance coverage that they would have if they were in the quote unquote e-bucket, the employee bucket, and then you get a tax deduction. So it's like you're paying for it, but you're also getting the ability to write it off on the back end. Did I kind of sum that up right? Because I know you're the relatively, senior. relatively. So um, in essence, when it comes to, to health insurance, kind of diving in, right? So there's three ways to get full coverage in the United States of America. The first option is an employer slash group coverage. That's what you just mentioned. That's actually only applicable for those that have over 50 employees. If you have under 50 employees, then things are actually going to be done on an individual basis. When you do things on an individual basis, then there's actually only two ways to get full coverage in the United States of America. The first option is a public option. The second one's a private. Now, a public option is an income-based option. It's designed for those uh, that make typically under thirty-four to, let's say, $42,000 a year, or those that have chronic health conditions. Chronic is something over six months. If you don't fit into either of those categories and you go that route, then you pay more money out of your pocket uh, as much as a 400% increase. That's where the expensive aspect comes in at. Well, that's what Obamacare is. Those are income-based plans. The alternative to that, especially for 1099, you're self-employed, you have a small business, is to instead go with a private option. A private option is a health-based option. So the long and the short, if you can pass 10 to 15 medical questions, I could save you about 30%, right? Now, the quick reason that that disparity exists is because when Obama took office, he took what's called the Affordable Care Act, right? Everybody knows about, they call it Obamacare, but it's known as the Affordable Care Act. What that actually meant was that before Obama, every single company out there uh, did underwriting, right? It means they had to answer medical questions in order to get coverage. Well, after Obama took office, he eliminated the medical questions there. So people that had chronic conditions could get coverage. And he also eliminated the financial requirements. So those that were insolvent could get coverage. So those in the middle ended up paying a lot more money than they were paying before because of that. So that's what beget the uh, private options there. Wow. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people were saying that the Affordable Care Act, it was not very affordable. I even looked at that whenever I had got laid off from my Fortune 500 oil and gas job. And I was like, oh my gosh, these prices are astronomical. Like I've never paid this amount because I always had employer coverage insurance. And then now that I'm in the entrepreneurship bucket, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Let me really start looking out. So you're actually in a really good spot, Mike, to help so many individuals. So can you really walk us through like the breakdown? Like, for example, if a client came to you and they're interested in private health insurance, but maybe they can't pass like all of the questions, what can they do to make sure that they are getting insurance at an affordable rate while also recouping on the back end? Typically, the medical questions aren't usually that complicated. They're not like expecting you to be like an Olympian per se. You know, what's funny is that you do things in underwriting, such as like BMI, which is like body mass index, right? And even like a bodybuilder, bodybuilders like, you know, cut, super fit, works out every day. They maybe have difficult getting a health based option because they have so much muscle mass and muscle weighs more than fat. They have so much muscle mass that 
from the scale that they're looking at, it looks like they're overweight or they're obese, but they have 2% body fat, you know? So it's, you know, different situations for that. But um, it kind of really depends. So uh, when you're narrowing it down, again, if you're over 50 employees, you're going to deal with the employer group coverage. The, the rules are entirely different. That's what a lot of people don't realize is that the reason we think that, hey, group insurance is so much less is because your employer is covering 50% of the cost of the insurance. By federal law, if you have over 50 employees, you have to, right? So when you're going out on your own, that 50% share of cost is taken away. And then on top of that, the, the network is your biggest thing, right? So you, what you really want to do is, is get yourself a PPO if you can. With most plans at your job, you don't even have a PPO. You typically have an HMO. Um, those are like county specific. It doesn't travel with you nationwide. I don't, I don't know if that necessarily answered your question per se, but I think that's my answer there. Or we yes. can dive more into it. It does answer my question. And I'll just put some context around it. Because when I was working for this oil and gas company, I had PPO, which gave me the ability to go to whatever doctor I wanted to go to. Whereas HMO, there is one doctor, which is your PCP, your primary care physician. And that PCP has to refer you to different specialists. And some people don't like to have to go to one doctor to be referred to a different specialist. They want to be able to do that on their free will, because, you know, sometimes if you don't like your doctor, then you should have the ability to change that doctor. And Mike, that did answer the question. And I just wanted to break that down because some people may not necessarily know the true difference between PPO and HMO. And since I'm not a SME like you, can you break it down further? Yes, absolutely. So um, what you said is, is pretty spot on. PPO lets you see any doctor. HMO has requires with some of its prior authorizations or referrals. More specifically, a PPO stands for a preferred provider organization. Um, and the real reason that your network matters. So I always talk about this in Clubhouse. I say your network is your network, right? And in your insurance space, it's very specific. So it's, it's a very direct indicator there. There's actually five networks. People don't really realize that, but there's actually five networks that you commonly may see, right? So from the bottom to the top, just so we can be on the same page, you have your PFFS, right? Which is a, a point for service system. Uh, you have your POS, which is for point of sales or point of service. Uh, then you have your uh, EPO, exclusive provider organization, your HMO, health maintenance organization, and then your PPO, a granddaddy of them all, the uh, preferred provider organization. So what those networks really mean though, is they actually mean percentage discounts, right? So it's going to go into depth as you asked me to. Let's say hypothetically that you had to file a claim and your claim was $10,000. 10000 just as a usual aggregate, pretty common claim there, right? To be honest with you, 86% of all claims are actually under $10,000 because 86% of all claims are based upon accident. But that's just a random nugget for your room. But to kind of put it in perspective, 10000 right? So we won't go through all five, but just for the sake of conversation, PFFS only covers about zero to 10% in regards to your network discount. So if you had a uh, $10,000 surgery, they're going to cover $1,000 and then they're going to give you a line item benefit, probably an additional, let's say $250. So that PFFS, because you chose that plan, you'd be coming out of your pocket uh, on a $10,000 procedure somewhere in the ballpark of $8,000 because of the network that you chose versus a PPO. Go ahead. So question there really quick, because PFFS and then POS, I, mm-hmm. um, I've seen POS where it has POS 1 and POS 2. And okay. then based on the other ones that you mentioned, whenever you get into those five categories, whenever you come to break it down, who breaks it down? Is it the employer? If it's an employer coverage or if you're in the private side, do you have the ability to break it down for the people that you are covering it for? Rephrase your question when you say break it down. What are you referring to? So for example, whenever I was with XYZ company in oil and gas, I had PPO, but then I had the option to choose between P 
POS one and POS two, but then you mentioned that there's five different categories. So who selects the five different categories if you don't see all the options? Okay. Let me kind of rephrase that. So what you were dealing with before was an employer plan. Employer plan is going to operate entirely different than the individual market. So in regards to even how they're structured, for example, because they'll say a PPO, but if they're saying a POS as well, those are two different networks. So it's going to be two different things. Go ahead. Thank you so much for explaining that. So then if you remove the employer coverage program and you use the five categories that you're talking about, are those five categories available if you have private health insurance, if you want to look uh, at That's those? what you're asking. Okay. Potentially. I'll put it into perspective. Not all plans are available in all areas. That's a lot, the thing that a lot of people don't know. And you're, uh, a lot of the factors, there are different factors that go into your price and, and what's available. So for example, if you deal with Obamacare, just going to give you a reference there. So first five networks, PFFS, POS, EPO, HMO, PPO. You would go on a website like healthcare.gov, right? Or healthsherpa.com. And you'd be able to shop your, your Obamacare options. That's where the public marketplaces exist at. And you would say, all right, I think I want this, you know, because you don't speak the language. So you just... You know, kind of throw a dart at the dartboard, right? And hopefully it works out, right? <laughs> Typically it doesn't because uh, actually 69% of all bankruptcy in the United States is due to medical debt. And that's pre-COVID. And that's because people pick themselves the wrong plan. So they don't realize these percentages that I'm talking to you about. So what they do is they get themselves a PFFS, which only covers about 15% of the cost if something happens, or they get themselves a POS, which only covers 20% of the cost. They get themselves an EPO, which covers 35% of the cost. They get themselves an HMO, which covers 50% of the cost, or they get themselves the best plan, which would be a PPO, a health-based PPO is going to be the best option to get. And that's going to give you a 60 to 80% in-network discount, along with a line item benefit. So in that same example, the 10,000 we talked about, the PFFS versus PPO, you chose a PFFS, you're coming out of pocket $8,000 for a $10,000 procedure. If you chose a PPO, a health-based PPO, like what I'm talking about, that same $10,000 procedure could cost you as low as $100. Or realistically, just for the sake of simple math, it will probably cost you probably about $400 compared to the $8,000 you would have paid on the PFFS. So the network is literally your network. Wow. And that is a big difference whenever you break it down that way, Mike. So whenever you help your clients in this area, do you um, go in as a consultant for like just your private clients or do you also do it for for maybe mid-sized business owners. Like walk me through what you do day in and day out because I feel like so many people could benefit from the services that you offer because just coming from a consumer side, insurance can be so convoluted and there's so many, you know, gray areas. There's a lot of black and white. And if you don't ask questions or the right questions or have the right people to explain it to you, then you could easily fall into certain predicaments and you're like, wait, this is not what I signed up for. When in actuality, it is what you signed up for. You just didn't ask the right questions or you didn't think about certain situations. And now here you are in an incident and it's costing you X amount of money that you don't have. Right. So on my day-to-day, I talk to hundreds of thousands of people (laughs) on a day-to-day basis because part of it's because of Clubhouse, of course, a great connection there. It's it's tripled my business and and tripled my output. It's been a fantastic connection there. And then I do things like this. So, you know, I'm on podcasts, getting interviewed all the time. I'm sharing stages with a a bunch of people because none of them speak health insurance, you know, like nobody really speaks that language. It's kind of my language and I've done it for for so long, but I'm pretty fluent at it. You know, my wife speaks Spanish. I don't understand it. But I know it sounds good, right? So it's kind of the same thing here. I speak health insurance. You may not understand it, but it definitely sounds good, right? I want to challenge you because you said your wife speaks Spanish, but you don't speak Spanish. 
imagine if you learn Spanish and you tap into the Spanish market to help those clients. Oh, it's in my to-do list. I took French for like six years before college. I took French for about six years and then married her. And now we're, we're watching telenovelas. So I'm learning a couple of words, you know, just enough to like make her chuckle because I'm still probably saying it incorrectly. But, you know, it's, it's a process. Most of my little clients uh, aren't in places where people necessarily speak Spanish, you know. So I haven't pursued it a lot, but I, I do need to definitely. Like, for example, I'm not licensed in Arizona, right? There'll be a lot of Spanish people speaking people in Arizona. I'm not licensed there because they have a residential requirement. We have to live in the state of Arizona to write in the state of Arizona. Not all states have that requirement. But on my daily, kind of back to your question there, I, I set appointments all day. I have, I have an appointment here probably in about 40 minutes. <laughs> but uh, I set appointments all day. I'm reading books, you know, and constantly uh, recommending books and book recommendations to people to kind of enhance their life. I compare options um, and say, hey, you know, there's three ways to get full coverage. We go over which category you kind of fit in. You go to employer coverage. Okay, that doesn't fit. All right, we need to go to the public or private. We talk about underwriting. I'm a field underwriter, which means I ask medical questions through the conversation as opposed to sending you out to somebody else. So I'm the one that actually is reading the underwriting to make sure I can qualify you. Um, it's because I've, I've dealt with underwriting for years, you know. And different companies have different underwriting. So you need somebody that really understands that because Somebody can put you with the wrong company and something won't be covered because they put you with the wrong company. So I speak uh, I speak over 65. I sold Medicare for years or Medicare supplements for years. I speak under 65 as well. And I just kind of, uh, it's all about selling, converting and, and helping as many people as we can. So you have the best of both worlds. And with you having the underwriting experience, you could definitely, you know, speak that language and answer those questions. And just quick question, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike. So with the underwriting, I know with some of the insurance a long time ago that I used to see whenever they look to your house and try to sell you different insurance, they would ask for like a urine sample or they'll swab your mouth or they'll do other things. But, you know, now that we are in the pandemic still, are y'all still required to do certain those certain things? Honestly, it depends on what you have going on, right? So let's say like you're a regular person like yourself, right? Let's say you have, I don't have any health issues. I'm not taking any medications, you know, I haven't had a surgery. I'm a regular person, right? It's highly unlikely that they're going to make you do a blood urine analysis or do additional testing, diagnostic work or whatever, unless your MIB comes back incorrect. Your MIB is your, well, random nugget for your room. The MIB is your medical information bureau. Think of that as like the credit score before your health, right? So what it does is it determines what you qualify for, what rates you're able to get, you know, and, and it kind of has a, a detailed picture of like every time you've gone to the doctor and you filled out paperwork, that goes onto that MIB so they can assess what you have going on. So anytime you got diagnosed, anytime there was a condition, anytime there was a treatment, these things get diagnosed. You went to your urgent care. These things get, you know, documented. So that that way people can, so that way on the insurance perspective or from an underwriting perspective, they can either approve you, deny you, or ask for additional information. The additional information is where they need the blood urine analysis is, you know, the test, you know, whatever it's going to be. Okay. Thank you so much for breaking that down because you actually taught me something new there with the MIB because I had no idea. So if someone's MIB comes back and they're either denied, they have the ability to appeal that denial, right? Yes. But honestly, only about... 5% of appeals go through because, yeah, that's pretty accurate. But the reason for that is because specifically with what I'm dealing with, I'm asking you medical questions on the front end. So I'm giving you the underwriting on the front end. A lot of companies do it on the back end. 
They do it on the back end. They're less likely to cover your claims because they didn't get the information that they needed. So that's the case with life insurance, mortgage insurance, you know, disability insurance. You want to have those questions done on the front end. So yeah, that kind of determines that. But five, only about 5% because most of the time, it's, uh, in order for it to be an issue, it's going to be like a clerical error, right? Like, hey, I said you had this, your name was John Sue, right? Or John Woods. Let's say your name was John Woods, right? And there's a million John Woods in the world, right? So maybe they have the information for the wrong John Woods available. That would be a time where an appeal would be necessary. Okay, thank you. And that definitely helps put things in context. Now, I want to ask you a wild card question, Mike, as we begin to wind down, because I want to be respectful of your time. If you think about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the medical industry, I have heard that sometimes people who look like you and I, who are minorities, we have more melon in our skin. We are charged higher rates than someone who is non-melanated. Can you agree to disagree? And what metrics can you back mm. that up with? That's not necessarily true. What a more, a more determining factor would be your zip code. For example, your gender will play more of a role than your race. Your, you have to think, different people are predisposed to different conditions. So let's say, hypothetically, the high blood pressure runs in your family, right? And every single person in your family has high blood pressure. Well, they're going to think on their end that, you're potentially predisposed to having high blood pressure. Uh, let's say that your dad had diabetes. They're going to say, oh, you're more likely to have diabetes. So that may play a factor in regards to your rate, but it wouldn't be a black and white thing. It would more so be based upon the other factors I mentioned comparatively. Okay. Thank you for putting the context into that because I've seen, I've seen it and I've heard it. And so I just wanted to make sure that I'm not making any false assumptions or preconceived notions whenever I don't work in the healthcare space day in, day out, whether it's on insurance or whether it's in the actual field. And Mike, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with some gems that, you know, are either around the core pillars to either educate, inspire, or motivate, or some gems that will help them do their homework and due diligence when it comes to health insurance. Not a problem. First, as we talked about, get yourself a PPO if you can. It's going to be the best coverage. It's going to give you, save you the most money on the back end as well. There are potential tax deductions that exist, but only if you go with a health-based option. If you go with an income-based option, there are not tax deductions available because it's already federally subsidized by the government. Also, avoid going to the emergency room if you don't have to. I'm, I'm going to repeat that. Avoid going to the emergency room if you don't have to. This is why I say this. Anytime you go to a hospital or go to an emergency room, there's an inherent facility charge that's about five to $10,000. That's before anything's kicking in. That's before your insurance has covered anything. That's just for you signing your name. But when an ambulance, for example, that's another $10,000. You're $20,000 in the hole on your insurance before they've even done anything. I'll give you another example. I had a guy who was trying to be a client of mine. Hey, let's talk about insurance, blah, blah, blah. I've been chasing him down. Finally get him on the phone. He's like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. He's very adamant now. So now as a field underwriter, I have to figure out why are you so adamant about getting health insurance when you've been trying to dodge me for four months? Come to find out, he just come from, came back out of, the, out of the hospital. I said, okay, awesome. Went to the hospital. Are you okay? First question, right? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, what happened? Did you go to the emergency room? Yes, I did. What did you do? Well, I, I cut my hand. Okay, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I cut my finger, actually. Okay, sorry to hear that. When you went there to the emergency room without insurance, did you get stitches? Oh, no, I didn't get stitches. Okay. Did you get a skin graft? No, no, I didn't get a skin graft. Skin grafts, they move skin from one place, put it on your finger, right? So no, 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 I didn't get that. I said, well, what actually happened as a result? Oh, they wrapped it up. They gave me a bandage and they told me that to just let it heal. He paid $5,000 out of his pocket to get a Band-Aid. That was the most expensive Band-Aid I've ever heard of in my life. But the reason for that is one, because he didn't have insurance. 
The second thing was because he went to the emergency room instead of going to the urgent care, go to the urgent care for situations like that, only go to the emergency room for life-threatening conditions. You're having a heart attack, you're having a stroke, life-threatening. That's when you go to the emergency room. That's what it's designed for. It's designed to save your life, not to fix you with a Band-Aid and, and you know, get you out of your room, right? Because they're going to charge you for that, even if they just did a Band-Aid. And then for medications, look into GoodRx. And if GoodRx is not a good example, look into ordering in another country like Canada, Turkey, Mexico, for example, you'll probably save about 90% of the cost of your medications if you do something like that. And let me see here as well, other random tip there. Take care of yourself, drink water, eat some green leafy vegetables, you know, little things like that go a long way. And again, open enrollment ends January 15th. If you do need health coverage, let me know. I'd love to help you. Access to 95% of the plans, licensed in 33 states, nationally licensed, award-winning health insurance broker. Here to help. Thank you for having me though. Uh, Amazing. Helping Amazing. Those are some powerful jabs. Don't go to the emergency room unless it's life-threatening. Go to the urgent care if it's something like cutting your finger or anything like that. Look at your insurance. So if you want to get insurance, get a health-based option. So PPO is the best one that Mike said. Do your due diligence. Make sure you factor in diet and proper exercise. I always like to tell people your health is equivalent to your wealth. If you don't have optimal health, how are you going to enjoy optimal wealth and make sure that your family and you are secured? But most importantly, it starts with you. Once you are well, whole, and complete, then you're able to be able to help somebody else. And tap in with Health Unicorn Mike. Mike, tell the listeners and viewers how they could connect with you on social media. If you want to leave them with your business number, go ahead and do that. And all of this information will be in the show notes. You can go on uh, www.healthunicornmike.com and book a council. You can see what I do. I go pretty much in depth, a good chunk of it uh, on my website there. My wife made it. So definitely shout out to her there. It's a great website. Also on IG, um, Two Fifths Venoms. Um, that's from my uh, fraternity days um, in two different fraternities. And uh, I'm the brothers. So yeah, Two Fifths Venoms up there as well. And uh, yeah, those are probably the best ways, unless you're on Clubhouse. If you're on Clubhouse, you just hit me on back channel and we can set up a consult, get in my DMs. I'd love to help. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Club. You just heard us talk about private health insurance and debunk employer health coverage insurance with Health Unicorn Mike. Make sure you connect with him, get yourself the appropriate coverage so that way you're not playing an astronomical price out the wazoo because you fail to do your due diligence or get information from someone who's already a SME, who's helping thousands of people. He's ranked globally and he's doing amazing things. So I definitely want you to, you know, get in where you fit in or don't cry whenever the bill comes to your house. Anywho, until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Signing out and have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to subscribe and share this amazing content with your family members and friends. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at Gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K 
K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.